0: We're continuing our series today on, yes, it's a long one, understanding the role of your pastor and the local church. Hey, quickly, Hebrews 13, please. Amen. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. obey them that have rule over you. Father, we open our hearts to the incorruptible seed of the word of God. It's not man's thoughts, it's your thoughts spoken under an anointing as a specific instruction for our church in this season at this time. So we open up our hearts to hear and to listen and to be good students, to rightly divide it. And, Lord, that it would come inside us and grow in us in Jesus' name, that revelation would come. And that, Father, I thank you that when revelation of your word comes, that faith will be the result because faith comes by the revelation of the word, according to Romans ten seventeen. And victory comes because of faith. So as they listen and as it's revealed to them by the Spirit of God, I thank you for faith and victory in their lives. I thank you for angelic assistance this morning. I thank you for your gifts that have operated and will operate. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. You want them to understand the local church, Father. Help them to get it this morning. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. That's the pastor. As they that must give an account, it's only the pastor's office that does that. None of the other offices do that. Because uh, you don't really submit yourselves on an ongoing basis to any, other, any office other than the pastor's office. When Pastor Nancy comes and you're submitting to her for that service. But when she leaves, how do you submit yourself to her? How can you submit yourself to Brother Copeland? How can you submit yourself to a television personality? You can only submit yourself to somebody that you have relationship with. Do you understand? You have to have some kind of an in-person relationship. And that's why it's talking about the local church. If you studied, I have a lot of other proof for this, but I don't, that's not the today's message, but I can prove to you through many scriptures that the only, the only place that somebody is really submitting to on a regular basis, the only office is the pastoral office because the pastoral office is the shepherd that governs the sheep. The others come in to speak into your lives, but they leave. The pastor stays. Amen. That's why the pastor has an eternal reward. That's why 1 Peter 5, Pastor Happy, it doesn't talk about the others. It's talking about the pastoral office. And it says the pastoral office will have an eternal reward that does not fade away. So, Dan, rejoice because um, the other offices will have rewards, obviously, and big rewards. But the pastor office is specifically told that there will be a special reward. Why? Because dealing with the sheep can sometimes be difficult. Just ask a real shepherd. They have to deal with things, there's issues, there's cleaning. Sheep can be stubborn sometimes. They can be ornery sometimes. But the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Remember that time we bought that little lamb in here, Sandy, years ago? Bob. And we bought him for a sermon illustration on a Sunday morning, and I was petting him and talking. That was many years before most of you were here. But when we went to the farm to get Bob, or to, we didn't—he had to bring him in a little trailer. But when we went to talk to the farmer at the sheep farm, uh, the ram sheep, which is the daddy sheep, the boss sheep, you know, he—the uh, guy said, "Don't, Pastor Craig, don't stand too close to the fence." I said, "What are you talking about? I, I know what I'm doing. I'm from Africa. We have things that can kill you there. Sheep can't kill you." I do what I want to do so he's talking to Sandy and I'm over there and the boy that that ram, I should have listened to the farmer because I didn't I thought sheep were just you know silly little animals but those that those things are serious and that and that thing has horns that that ram that ram sheep man he's got horns and he didn't like he, he said my voice was not his master's voice his shepherd's voice and he got very upset very ornery, and he charged me at that fence Remember that, Sandy? Yes. He had full gallop, man, with those horns, and he was going at me, and he hit the fence. And Oh, my Lord, I stepped back, and he said, I told you, don't go near the fence. Protecting. He was protecting the rest of the, of the ewes and the, and the lambs. And so sheep, sheep can be, uh, you know, sheep are unique animals, and, and, and so it is a pastor's role. They're, they're not always the easiest ones to deal with, but it's the pastor's role to help govern that. In a service, you'll submit to any office that stands in the pulpit, but on a regular basis, you're not around the evangelist all the time. Uh, Richard Roberts isn't here all the time. Their job is out there in the world, getting people healed and saved. You're not around the prophet. You couldn't have a prophet all the time in the church. They destroy the church. And Dad Hagan always said that. And Dr. Dufresne said, I can't be a pastor. I've destroyed the work because they're very black and white and they'll just rip you to shreds. And they're just the gifts of spirit. That, yeah, you're doing this. And yeah, you're doing that. And yeah, you're a waste of time. And yeah, da, 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 da. and then people get offended and leave. And you just the prophet will just rip things to shreds. You need him for a moment, but you can't live with prophets in the pulpit in a local church all the time. That's why when Pastor Nancy switched from the prophet's office to the pastor office, God said to her, you are no longer allowed to pastor. Yeah. And then he said, now to make sure you get it, I'm paraphrasing after the fact, for three services, he took the anointing off her. Yes, right. And she preached three sermons, the only three sermons she's ever preached in her entire life, with absolutely no anointing. Yeah. And she said, I know what it means to be a motivational speaker. I know what it feels like to speak out of your head without any anointing, because it happened three times. Yeah. And God did it on purpose, and she said, God, don't ever let me do that again. We don't realize how, uh, how dependent we are on the anointing unless it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me, we, 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 you wouldn't want me without the anointing, believe me. You wouldn't you wouldn't want anybody without the anointing because then it's just a worldly system It's just a carnal and so many, that's why people don't want to go to church, because so many pastors don't have the anointing, especially in the traditional denominational churches. Some of them don't have much anointing, and it's just, and they're trying to hype it all up with special presentations and smoke machines and this and amazing singing, but there's no anointing. Yeah. People's lives aren't changed, no revelation in the word. It's a great reader's, reader's digest little snippet, but there's no power attached to it. I'm serious. And so she and why did God say I'm taking the anointing off you so that and he warned her He said now if you ever try to pastor again, right. that is what it's going to feel like yeah. Pastoring speaking preaching teaching without any help from God yeah. Why because he does not want the prophet's office in the local church on a regular basis yeah. It will destroy the church yeah. Now she will teach she'll teach from time to time do you understand? But she is not the pastor. The anointing in that church is the the pastoral anointing is not on Pastor Nancy. It's on Morgan Defrain, and at the right time, because she said this publicly, so I can. It's coming on Grant Defrain, her son, and he'll take over the pastoral responsibilities. And that anointing is what governs the church, not the the prophet can come in, but it can't govern the church. Are you with me? The evangelist can't govern the church. Now the pastor, teacher, those anointings go together. So uh, some people think there's only four and, and there very well could be only four offices. It's listed, you know, evangel, prophet, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But in the Hebrew, in the Greek, pastor, teacher are connected. They're not separated. So many theologians believe there's actually only four offices and those four offices uh, align with the four beasts that the four living creatures that are around God's throne. And so, in terms of what those creatures do, are what the four offices do exactly. So, but, but we, because our tradition is we, we separate pastor teacher, we call it the fivefold ministry. But I'm not really sure that it really is the fivefold ministry. It probably is the fourfold ministry. But either way, that doesn't really matter. The point is that the pastor teacher go together because there has to be a teaching anointing. So, people would say to me, You can't pastor before when I traveled. You can't pastor. I said, Why? Well, because you're too much of a preacher. And the, and the pastoral anointing is a teaching anointing. So then I thought for some time I would never pastor. And then the Lord said, I want you to pastor. I said, but Lord, you sometimes that preaching anointing comes on me. And, and he never really fully answered me until years later. And he said, that's because that's that apostle's office that will, that will, that will start to edge up a little bit at times. But I've still asked you to pastor. Yeah. And so when I get up with Pastor Nancy's group, they always, this inevitably, every single time, I mean, it's a different minister each time, but they'll come and say, oh, I'm so happy that finally we have a preacher in, uh, in, the, in the word of faith and the word and spirit kind of flow. And I'll be like, what do you mean? Well, and I thought about it, and they said, well, you, you think about, everybody is a teacher, everybody. You think about, you think about the people that, are, that preach, Everybody's a teacher. No, nobody, nobody, that anointing, you can't make that come. When that preaching anointing comes on me, it's a holy thing from God. And it comes on me to preach but but that is not me putting it on that's not me getting excited that's something that comes on me like a blanket but that flow our flow in our circles do not have that very often you normally go into the denominational churches and there's a lot of preaching but not always with the anointing a lot of it is especially in uh, in certain cultural churches if I could put it that way there's a lot of yelling there's a lot of screaming but there's no anointing behind the screaming and you can tell when somebody is just doing it to hype the crowd and when there's an anointing to preach Now Jesus was both he preached and he taught So I thought for years I wasn't a very good pastor because that anointing would come on me until the Lord started dealing with me and said no You're the way I've made you and I like the way you are And so for years when people the last few years when I've been preaching for Pastor Nancy and people say that then I apologize And that last, not the last time, but the time before that, I apologized to the minister who said that they they were complimenting me, but I still said, oh, well, I'd much rather be a teacher like you because, you know, I really respect that teaching gift. You have an amazing teaching gift. And I, and I start, I was just kind of, you know, well, you know, thank, you know, that's okay that I'm the way I am, but I wish I was like you. And they were complimenting me. Like, it's nice to have that different flow in the services. It's not always, we don't always have that kind of aggressive flow. And then, and, and I felt, I'm trying to, I'm, you don't realize it, but I'm teaching you without you realizing it. But I felt in my spirit, down in here, I felt something like, something was wrong. As Soon as I said it, I knew I'd, see, that's the inner witness. That, you've got to learn to listen to that. When you're talking to people and you're having certain conversations, there'll be a sense sometimes of, if you don't listen to that and you always violate that, the whole, you, you, will, you will cease being sensitive to what that, inner, what that inner thing is telling you. Are you listening? you got to learn to be sensitive to that. And so a lot of people don't not listen. I know Pastor Lakeda came and he shared some things which were very good. It's hard for me to say that, but it was, it was very good. And by the way, you gave a very generous offering to him. Uh, extremely generous offering. Uh, I wish you'd given a little bit more to our budget, actually, that day. Uh, because our budget suffered that day. But he went home to the bank laughing his way to the bank. So good. Awesome. But I said, Lord, I sow good seed. Amen. I'm believing for a harvest for our budget. Praise God. Amen. And you gave very good. We beat Pastor Jay Eberly. We beat him for defrayed Ministries. In fact, we didn't just beat him. We beat him by a long shot. Glory, glory, glory. Don't you love competition amongst <laughs> I think that's a good thing that we're competing how much we can give to somebody. That's a good competition. But anyway, I, as soon as I said that, there was a grieving, and I knew I'd hurt the Holy Spirit. But I was trying to be humble. Yeah. <laughs> So I went back to the room and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you I hurt you by saying that and I'm so sorry. I don't ever want you to take that anointing away from me. I don't ever want to show dis- despair for it or a lack of appreciation for it, but I don't know how to respond when people say that stuff because I really have a high regard for the teaching office. And the Lord said, son, he said, I've put that in you and it's a unique blend for you. He said, most people don't have that blend. He said, that's something to be, that's precious. That's something to be prized. It's not something to, to try to. Yeah. And he, I said, how do I respond? Because I don't want to ever be arrogant. How do I respond when people compliment me? And he said, all you have to say is, thank God for the way the anointing comes on me. Oh, that's that's don't demean it. Don't say, well, I wish I was like you or my anointing is not as good as yours. Don't demean that. Just say, I'm just so grateful for the way God uses me. Amen. Amen. And just put, keep giving me the praise. The way God uses me—not isn't it great—the way I flow, but I'm so grateful for the way God's anointing comes on me, and so I started learning. Oh, there is a there's something that God likes about this, and then over time I've learned that that apostolic thing requires lion-like behavior. And I didn't really understand that because I didn't know I was really called to that for most many years. And then I realized, oh, when I'm there and I'm dealing with witch doctors and I'm dealing with spirits in the atmosphere and I'm dealing with things, there's things I could say that I can't because you're too carnal, you wouldn't understand it. But there's stuff that we're dealing with in Liberia right now. There's witch doctors right now that are trying to kill Pastor Matthew before he even lands there to plant the church. There's assassination attempts that have already gone into action for this trip. To poison him. In fact, people have been calling and warning and saying, do not eat the food or the water when you go here. Do not eat the food or the water while you go there. There are people that are, have plans to kill you. He hasn't, even, he hasn't even landed there. That's why last Sunday night, it was very important. The anointing came on me to deal with certain things. I don't always say that publicly, but to deal with certain things in the spirit because, uh, because that apostolic flow is not the pastoral flow. A pastoral anointing can, authority-wise, we all have authority over evil spirits and over over those kind of witchcraft things. We all have authority because we're in Christ. Do you understand? But sometimes certain things, when you're breaking ground, it requires the anointing in a certain office. And the pastoral office does not have that anointing in it. To break ground and to deal with dark forces in that capacity at that level individually we all have authority but there's certain things that require higher offices and higher anointings and so i understand now why god why sometimes there's that 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 even the preaching thing is connected to that it's not fully connected to that but why sometimes there's that lion-like roar there's that there's that aggressive kind of warring t- i don't know how to explain it to you but i can feel that anointing come on me now i'm realizing that's because of the apostles work yeah. that's because of things i have to deal with in the spirit as well as in the natural in these countries and we're in a little bubble here for most of the time you don't know what goes on in those countries and you get there and they're they're like they're like like the stone age sometimes when it comes to spiritual things they really do believe in the power of the devil and he really does operate through them and it is not as common in America as it is in these countries. But there has to be an office to deal with that and something that has great strength and aggression to it. And that's that. Now I understand why more he, uh, he has a duality in me. But you can't have an evangelist in the church all the time because all, you'll, never, you'll never grow. You'll just get saved every week. You will. When Richard's around, I want to get born again again. I do, because there's an anointing on him for healing and for salvation. That's what his anointing is. You'll never grow with an evangelist. You'll, you'll be stripped to shreds with a prophet. Do you understand? You need the pastor teacher anointing because that will help you grow and that will put up with you. And that apostle anointing is the only office other than the pastoral office that God will permit on a regular basis in the local church. And, and it's, it's, but you ha- listen, are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. This I'm kind of going off, but I just felt the Lord say, just talk about this for a minute, but you can't have a brand new church with immature Christians with that apostle's office working strong. You can't, it doesn't work that way. you it will destroy the church because the apostle's office is very aggressive. It's very strong on doctrine and it's very black and white and doesn't have a lot of time for nonsense and dilly dallying. And wasting of time so you get brand new believers that don't know nothing about nothing and you're just trying to teach them you need to pray five minutes a day and and, and you need to tithe and you, you can't have sex outside of marriage you're just trying to teach them the basics the apostle would just bang 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 shut up listen to me what are you doing sit down and shut up stop doing that keep your zipper done up you horny toad what are you doing the apostle's office is aggressive and brand new Christians, they'll just get slapped around, and then they, will overwhelm them, and they'll leave. Do you understand? So you need the pastoral office to come here gentle, like let me put your arm around you. I love you. This is what you do. Now this is why you do. No, 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 you can't do that. No, just because your wife doesn't do that, you can't hit her like that. No. No, you can't beat them up in the parking lot this week. You did it last week. You need to now walk in love. No, no, this is no, no, this is why, this is how we live in the body of Christ. This is what the Bible See, the pastor's office comes and loves the sheep and teaches the sheep, and there's a parental, gentle, kind of uh, nurturing mentality with the local church and the pastor, because God knows there's new people coming, and you can't beat them all up all the time. Well, you'll never grow. Do you understand? But as the church matures and grows, In its ability to receive not just milk but meat then if and only if and it doesn't happen very often But only if there's an anointing and a calling on that pastor to step up into a higher office God will never do it unless the church has matured Because he will hurt his fruit so i think it's very interesting that uh, that i know dr sumrow said 10 years is the church of a you know 10 years it's considered a baby but th- that, that i would never argue with dr summer i'm just saying what god told me he said no it's 12 years because that's what that's what the bar mitzvah stuff is in the jewish culture at 12 when they turned 13 they were considered a man up until that point they were still considered kids do you understand and so he said to me when your church is 12 years old and it goes into its 13th year You'll be considered an adolescent church and the foundation will have been laid on certain things And you'll be a church your congregation will be able to handle certain things because they have sat under the word long enough And I said but lord you didn't take into account all the people that got offended and left And all the new people that have come they haven't been here for 12 years He said but the core has So there's obviously things in the realm of the spirit that the core can carry the rest in some areas. We always have new people come and people tell me, pastor, please be gentle this week. (laughs) I don't like you saying that because I got to just flow with the Holy Ghost. But I understand why they're saying that because that there's that higher thing operating. They still want the baby milky pastor thing. (laughs) Right. But that's not all. But I can't just always do that to appease one or two people because the general group is moving on but god listen to me don't be concerned about bringing a new person or bringing a baby christian because the supernatural anointing of the holy ghost will come on them to cocoon them for what they can't swallow so they don't choke and to extract every bit of milk from every piece of meat unlike your steak god marinates his t-bones in milk are you listening and you can have a piece of meat and if they can't they can extract some milk out of that for the babies and, and God will just protect them from choking or what they can't handle. But the others, will just, they'll just gobble down that table because they're hungry for more. And that's the mighty work of the Holy Ghost in the church. That's why don't ever worry about bringing somebody. And all the times that people have worried about, oh my God, oh my God, I'm bringing somebody. Oh, pastor, please be in your best behavior. And, and, and then I'm a little wilder that day than I was before. And I can see the person doing this. Oh, it happens more than you think. So I can't look at some of you. I see them doing this and if I see that, then I get even more angry or more hurt or more, I don't know what I am. So I don't want to look at but, but I look at the person and the poor visitors just sitting there staring at me They don't know if I've got seven heads and ten horns like the beast and the revelations or, or 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 if they think that well, this is the best thing I've ever heard But I always make a point if I can to go talk to them and say now listen It was a little bit maybe a little bit different than what you oh my god I can't tell you how many times. Oh, I've never heard anything like this before. Oh, I've never been in a place like this before They always comment like that first and I always validate them. Yeah, probably you're right. But then I say, now, are you okay? I have not had one time in 13 years where a new person has said, I'm offended. I'm angry. I can't believe you did that. And not one time, Dan, in 13 years has a new person said that to me. They've always said, well, I don't understand it all, but yeah, there's something here. There's, I don't know, there's something here. And I'll say, that's the anointing. You just don't know how to put words on it, but that's the anointing. Now, if you just keep coming back, you'll learn. That's good. The only ones that ever get offended are the ones that invite the people. But i've never not one time in 13 years have I ever had a brand new person unsaved or saved That gets really upset by strong preaching Not one time So don't don't let the devil lie to you and say you can't bring people because pastor craig will destroy them No, there's the anointing that cocoons even the babies, but as the core is carrying this church We have to move on So God said to me 12 is the ending of the childhood years 13 is the beginning of the adolescent years now have Did you notice I mean you couldn't have made this up, Greg, because I didn't know this until after the fact He didn't tell me before it happened. He told me after to look back That's always how he talks to me look back so that I don't try to make things fit a certain picture They fit and then he says now by the way, look back and see how this looked Wow, look at that lord So he said to me, after the fact, he said, did you notice that the mantle came? That that apostle thing came in the beginning of your 13th year. Do you understand? See, because the childhood phase was over, and now a more mature phase is beginning. God allows that higher anointing to come. He knows it's going to ruffle some feathers, but he knows that the core overall have grown up in in the milk And the mush and the little bits of meat and for 12 years there's been a foundation laid so he knows that that higher office won't destroy this church are you listening to me so so that's why sometimes he'll allow an apostolic office and a pastoral office to go side by side but he'll never allow a prophet's office and a pastoral office to go side by side in running a local church I'm just teaching you what Dad Hagen taught us, and what I've learned by experience. And if you read Dad Hagen's books, he explains all this. And Jesus taught him most of this directly. So that's why Doctor Sumro always pastored. He was one of the greatest apostles the world has ever seen, one of the strongest personalities, one of the most aggressive people you've, and the kindest privately, but one of the most aggressive people you'll ever meet. <laughs> And, and 30 year olds couldn't keep up with him. He'd be up at 5 in the morning. He'd go till 12 at night He would preach sometimes three four times a day He'd fly from one place to the next one place to the next and the 30 year olds remember jenny dr Dufresne told us that they, they would they would be panting. They couldn't keep up with him and he's like Hurry up And he's in his 80s You know in his last year he traveled 50 times across the atlantic ocean 25 trips across the Atlantic Ocean in one year, the last year he was alive. That man was a machine, but he always had an area. He always had his hand on the pastoral. Why? Because God will let the apostle and the pastor do together. That's why he hasn't kicked me out of the church. That's why God hasn't said, I have to step down. Because if I was in a different office, I'd have to step down and somebody else would have to take the reins. But he said, you can maintain this. But now you need to understand something. I'm not doing anything in my notes, but anyway, you need to understand (laughs) something that that, that with this new office, this new season, what we call Hebron, because this childhood season was Ziglag, and now the adolescent season is Hebron, and now the adult season is coming Jerusalem, and that's coming 2027 and onward. But in this new season, as I'm getting used to this new office, I'm realizing that things are a lot harder than I thought they were can I just be honest with you? There have been times in the last two years where I have said to the Lord, Lord, do I have permission to ask you to remove this office from me for a season? Because Pastor Nancy taught me that when she stepped into the prophet's office, there was such an assault against her. There was such a demonic assault against her that she had never faced in her entire life because it was trying to destroy her because of that higher office and because of what she was called to do in the earth and to the point where she got so overwhelmed with it because she was not skillful enough to understand how to deal with it, that she said, Father, take this office away from me, if, if you will, and let me mature in the realm of the Spirit so I can handle the attacks. And God permitted it for two years. And after two years, he said, whether you're ready or not, it's coming on you. If you haven't got ready, it's your fault. And it came back on her. So I've said, Lord, uh, I've got, I've come very close to saying, Father, uh, this is a, she prophesied over me and said a whole other realm, Pastor Craig. Well, that sounds great when it's said. Yeah. Amen. Amen. whole other realm. Amen. That's more angels. That's more glory. That's more anointing. That's more healing. That's more finances. That's more vision. Amen. But you forgot the devil. That's more devils, that's more witchcraft, that's more a whole lot of things that I don't ever hardly ever talk about publicly. But my wife and I have got to the point a number of times in the last few years where I've said, Lord, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I'm, I don't think I matured enough before that mantle came for me to be able to handle this because this is too much for me sometimes. And I've, I've got so close to saying, Lord, would you take it off of me and let me mature a little bit? But every time I try to pray that, he checks me. Which obviously means unless something changes in the near future that he's saying you feel you can't do it Your mind tells you you can't do it. Your emotions tell you you can't do it The financial pressure says you can't do it But if you couldn't do it, I would let you do what pastor nancy did, but I know you can So I want you to push through this Because he won't let me pray that prayer if he if he let me pray that prayer he could take that off me and I could just go back to being a pastor for a little longer until I can get a hold of some things. I don't know if maybe I shouldn't say this on a Sunday morning, Jenny, because I don't know if people can handle what I'm saying or not. But he won't. He hasn't allowed me to pray that prayer yet. What I'm saying to you is that I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers because this is not, whether you see it that way or not, this is not church as normal. This is not church as usual. Everything changed in 2020, and I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the plan and the purposes of this ministry changed. God took us from a babyhood. When you're a baby, things are a lot easier. Your responsibility is less. Mama feeds you different. Mom and daddy take care of you different but when you're a teenager, a certain responsibility comes on you. And if you haven't transitioned transitioned skillfully enough, that can be uh, like jumping in a deep end. Do you understand? And so, Pastor Nancy's office, you know, she's called to different things than I am, but the attacks were too great, and God allowed her to step out for a season, get skillful, step back in. Uh, maybe my attacks are not quite as great. I don't know. I'm just saying that he hasn't, I've, I've, I've come very close to begging him because I feel sometimes it's just too much for me, but, but, uh, but he won't let me at this point. So, I just know that I have to keep going. I could sure use your prayers because I think some of you think that everything's the same. Everything's the same. We had COVID. It was a hiccup, but everything's the same. We've gone back to 2019. Now we can sit beside each other. There's no mass. Life has returned to normal and church has returned to normal. And now it's back like it was all the other years. And in some ways it is. And in other ways, it's not. Because the plan and the purpose of God for promise of life has moved beyond 2019. Now we are on a different playing field. We're playing a different kind of a game. And while this church, in some areas, you don't notice any changes here. And in some areas, there's no changes here. But in the realm of the spirit, there's something different. A higher office has clicked in, a higher anointing and mantle has come and assignments have come for the nations. With that comes an amazing amount of witchcraft. With that comes an amazing amount of spiritual pushback. With that comes an amazing amount of money that is needed to fund it. Do you understand? And with that comes an amazing amount of pressure. Pressure, 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 pressure. And if I'd known it was gonna feel like this, I would have asked God to delay it or I would have transitioned in 17, 18, 19, which were transitionary years, do you remember? 17, 18, 19 were the three years that he said, now you're coming to Bethel and then Jericho and then Jordan and then you're going to receive something special. If I had known that the special was going to feel the way it did, I would have paid a lot more attention in 17, 18 and 19 in getting ready for it. And uh, God even sent Pastor Nancy in 18 and 19 publicly to warn me because I have the prophecies and she said there's a high stepping pace ahead of you and you're not ready for it and if you don't deal with certain things it's going to make it that much harder for you so make sure you get ready make sure you get ready she did that in front of in her camp meeting in front of everybody And, and I tried my best Greg but I didn't you see people don't know the battle what it feels like until they're in it It's only a theory to them but when you're actually you don't know what it feels like to have cancer until the doctor says you've got cancer Everybody else's experience is just a theory to you You don't know the feelings that come on you when they say that you don't know the attack that comes on you And you don't know what it really feels like to fight the good fight of faith and win Until you've done it everybody else is a testimony and thank god for the testimonies And I pray that you never have those attacks But all i'm saying the attack never feels the way you think it's going to feel it's always worse. It's always, and those that have gone through heavy things, you know what I'm talking about. But the Lord is faithful and he is good. And, if, and even though maybe we haven't always prepared as much, I know I never did as much as I needed to. It's human, I'm a human. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I was so excited. Now it's like, well, okay. It's not as exciting as I thought it was. It's just a lot of work, and it's a tremendous amount of prayer, and there's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of darkness, but in Jesus' name, I win. But I didn't know. I thought it would feel more exciting. I thought it would feel more glamorous. I thought it would feel like I'm a globe-trotting, swashbuckler preacher of righteousness. Oh, my God, this is just, I'm living the high life. And all I feel everywhere I turn are demon spirits looking at me. It's like a wilderness season. But yet the anointing is stronger. I can feel it on me. The gifts of the Spirit are operating stronger. The tangible anointing is operating stronger. When I pray for people, they're getting healed faster and of greater diseases than before. I've been tracking, I've been watching. My prayer life is stronger than it's ever been before. I get in the spirit faster than I've ever got before. I'm having supernatural experiences in that realm more than I've ever had before. But I guess sometimes as a kid, you think it's gonna feel so exciting. And then when you're in it, you realize it doesn't always feel as good as you thought, but the reward is still greater than what you had before. So this is a good thing. I'm, being, I'm bearing my heart to you as a pastor. I'm letting you know that I'm going through things like you're going through things. And as a church, we're going through things. But, but if you could pray, if you, could, if you don't know what to pray for me, you don't need to know what to pray. Just say, Father, concerning whatever it is, I pray for my pastor in the Holy Ghost. If you could just pray in the Holy Ghost for me more. There are days where I can feel the congregation's prayers. And there are days where I can feel that no one's praying or maybe one or two people. And, and, and I don't know how to explain it to you, but that spiritual atmosphere is so much harder for me to push through when it's just me alone. That's why Paul said over and over and over and over again, Paul, the great apostle pray for me pray for me that i'd have utterance that i'd know what to preach pray for me that doors would open because i'm trying to plant churches but i need doors to open pray that i would be delivered because there's evil men that want my hurt pray that i would be delivered from wicked and he kept even said one time pray that i'm honest you read it in the bible pray that i would handle things honestly and with integrity why because he was being tempted to not handle things with integrity that's why I'm just saying, the more you understand my role, my role's changing. I never thought that I would ever say, Lord, I, I kind of liked it the way it was before. But the way it was before was juice boxes and Oreos. <laughs> now, it's different. But I'm not, I'm not really complaining, even though you think I am. I'm just letting you know that my role is changing but that doesn't mean I'm not a pastor. I still am, but my role is changing and and I am being stretched in every facet that you can possibly imagine. Every possible area that you can think of, every area that you can come up with in your mind. Regarding my family, I mean our marriage is stronger than it's ever been. Thank God for that because I don't think I'd make it if that wasn't. But in every other area with certain kids, with congregation members, with finances, with darkness, in every area, I feel I'm being stretched almost to the point of being broken, but I'm not broken because He'll never break. He'll never allow me to be broken if I walk in the Spirit. But sometimes you go through a season where if you didn't prepare ahead of time properly, which I thought I had, Greg, but I realize now I hadn't, which is why Pastor Nancy warned me, and I should have taken it more seriously, so it's my fault. But when you don't prepare properly, then you still got to go through the new season of stretching, but if you're prepared, like if you run, some of you would die if you ran 100 meters. But 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 if you if you run and you haven't stretched, you, you run, you pull something, and then it's like you're hobbling, but you still had to run. Yeah. Yeah. But if you stretched a little bit first, but but, but stretching's boring. Yeah, there you go. It's boring. Why should I stretch? I feel like I'm 20, but you're really 80, but you feel like you're 20 I I don't think I need to stretch my muscles are in great condition Yeah, you don't realize you haven't used that muscle till you start running And then when you stretch you stretch it out then you run you don't have as much pain But when you haven't stretched and then you run that You know five kilometer run then you realize the next day Well, you can't get out of bed because every muscle in your body aches And you can't even barely walk you realize I guess I should have stretched well, that's how I feel I feel like I can't get out of bed not out of depression But just I'm stretching every area and the muscles hurt spiritually Because if I had stretched in 17 18 19 the way I should have this would not be as hard for me today But I'm going through some some uh, suffering a little bit and that's okay my own fault But he still didn't say I can quit the race I asked him, let me, let me go on the sidelines. I'll pour Gatorade for the other athletes. I'll speak words of encouragement. I'll bring cat posters that are framed and tell the other athletes, do not quit. Hang on. But let me be on the sidelines until I can stretch. And the Lord said, no, you should have stretched earlier. You, it won't break you, son. If it was going to break you, I'd let you pour Gatorade, but it's not going to break you. It's just going to be uncomfortable for you for a while because it's your own fault. But now you need to push through the pain because the race goes on. And if I take my hand away from the plow and I look back, the Bible says he'll have no pleasure in me. The anointing will come off my life. So I have no choice but to do the race without the stretch. And so if you see me every now and then and I'm going, amen, amen, you'll know Pastor Craig should have stretched. But all I'm asking for you is to pray for me in this season because while it's my own fault, if you love me and if you love where God's planted you and if you love the role that I have in your life and that my family has, uh, when we're humble enough and transparent enough to tell you I should have stretched. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I'm going through a little bit of pain now because I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for these attacks. I don't know how to deal with devils like this. I've never faced demonic powers like this in my life before. I didn't even know that they existed except in stories. But I'm facing some things that I've never faced before. And, but yet, I have to run the race, even if it's a bit painful. Because I have the authority and God is working, but I'm just, I'm trying to catch up. When Pastor said it's a whole other realm, she meant it. It's a whole other realm, son. It's a, you, better, you better get ready for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm just asking you to pray for us, maybe a bit more than you normally do in this season, because I could sure use it. I just need some of my muscles to get healed. I'm talking symbolically. My muscles are fine. Physically, I'm talking in the race because I'm trying to adjust to these things, okay? And so this morning, I was in the shower in my wet prayer closet, and, uh, and I thought to myself, Lord, I don't know. This plane thing, I should never have signed up for this stupid plane. Why did I even buy the stupid hanger? When I get angry, everything's stupid. I don't know how to do a plane. Why would I even... I'm going to be... In a 1964 tin can at 12,000 feet am I crazy without a parachute and I don't know how to do it well my first lesson is this Friday so I've been trying to talk God out of this and say I've missed it and I humble myself and I repent I'll sell the hangar and I'll sell the plane and I'm not doing this not this is ridiculous well what was I thinking this is absolutely ridiculous it's, it's so overwhelming. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm on 213 lessons. I'm on number 14 out of 200 and I'm barely able to understand the 14. It's another language in aviation terms. It's a whole other language. I don't want to learn a new language. I'm too old. I'm not, but I feel like I am. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, would you release me of this assignment? See, at first I'm trying to get out of the race, but now I'm trying to not jump the hurdles. I'm in the race but I see a hurdle and I I just want to go in the other lane. i let somebody else do that hurdle. I don't have the energy to jump anymore. My muscles are hurting. And he said, he spoke to me this morning. He said, son, he said, "Uh, did you feel this in the two years leading up to this? Mm -hmm. Well, no. Mm -hmm. So can you quieten your mind and check your spirit? Mm -hmm. Because you're feeling afraid because of mental arena and you're just, you're being bombarded with the learning curve and the uneasiness. But but can you quieten your mind and check your spirit? I don't want to check my spirit See because when you're a petulant child, you don't want to do anything the parent says Father, I don't want to check my spirit. But 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 then he reminded me he said, but didn't I speak to you here? Well, i'm not sure if that was you Didn't I talk to you there? Didn't I confirm it through this minister? Didn't I give you a witness to buy that hanger? Didn't an angel hold that hanger for you? Didn't I give you that plane? didn't before any of this your spirit would bubble when you'd be around randy and you didn't know why because the anointing for aviation is on him and i want him to help you don't you remember all that stuff lord i do but i don't want to get in that plane friday morning i don't want to do it i feel intimidated by it do you understand what i'm saying see this is all part of my muscle stretching but you see what i've got to learn to do and you've got to learn to do the same thing you've got to learn to quieten down this and the emotional realm because it will always lead you wrong And you got to try to quieten that and pray in the Holy Ghost and listen to your spirit. You talked about walking in the spirit. That's what we're charged to do. We're charged to walk in the spirit. Remember, Dad Hagen told us that the the whole New Testament theme, if you go to most churches, they don't actually follow the New Testament theme. Jesus in a vision to Dad Hagen told him, the entire New Testament is about one main theme. Everything Connects to this one main thing. And do you know what that is called? Life in the Spirit. Life. Life includes walking in the Spirit. Life includes being led by the Spirit. Life includes the power of the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is a broad umbrella term, but he said everything in the New Testament is about living in the Spirit. You've got to learn to live in the spirit. That's why a lot of what we teach you because it'd be new testament That's what paul's revelation to the church was He's trying to get them to know who they are in christ What they have in christ what they can do through christ and how to walk and live in the spirit and follow the leading of the holy spirit Because if you can learn to do that, your life will be much sweeter and make a lot less mistakes than following what you feel, your plan, your ambition, your emotions, your mental arena, state of mind at the moment, because it can change. Today, I don't feel like doing this plan for the aviation department. But I know if I look to my spirit, there is a peace in my spirit. And the Lord said to me, it's going to be a little bit, uh, what's the word he used? Intimidating at the beginning, because you've never flown a plane before you are intimidated with the course because it's a new language. He said, but son, that intimidation is going to be only for a season because you're going to learn and adjust and grow mentally, physically with skill. You're going to adjust and grow. And once this curve is over and you're kind of out of the turbulence, I'm using airplane talk now, and you're in the smooth air, so to speak, and maybe a year or two has passed, and this learning curve and all these things that you're frenzied about is over, you'll be very grateful that you followed your spirit. Because there's things I've called you to do in other countries and around the world that you cannot do without an airplane, and I need you to be proficient in this. But I'm trying to say to you, my role when I'm being stretched and the muscles are hurting doesn't want to jump over a hurdle when, you, when you're in pain. Do you understand? But, but I'm going to finish this race stretching or no stretching I'm not going to quit do you understand I'm going to clear that hurdle or I'll run right through it I don't care but that hurdle's not stopping me I'm going to do what he's asked me to do I'm going some of this is helping me to preach it as well as for you to hear but my role this is not nothing to do I've not preached one note today but that's okay Because as soon as I opened my mouth, I heard the Lord say, I want you to talk about this. I want you to talk about that. And some of this is actually for my benefit. It's, It's he's being selfish today because he's helping me. Sometimes preachers need to say certain things on record and just put it out again and just tell people that I need your prayers. Paul wasn't too proud to ask him to people to pray for him. And I'm not too proud to ask you to pray for me and my family. We are not complainers. We are not whiners. That's not what I'm saying. But we are facing a whole nother realm that we have never faced before and most of the time I come smiling and joyful And you don't know you think everything's great, but you don't know what's happening behind the scenes But we will continue to be smiling and joyful because joy is going to get us through this season The joy of the lord is our strength So if you are going through something and you are going through a challenge and you haven't prepared for it And you're feeling like the strain is on and like the muscles are being stretched and you didn't stretch enough before the race Don't you quit? Don't you quit you push through the pain and you run You push through the pain of that job and you go to it Some of you don't like what you're doing, but until god opens another door don't put your family in jeopardy You push through the pain of that and you go through it And you say god help me help stretch me as I run When you see a hurdle in there and you feel lord i'm going through enough as it is right now I certainly can't do a hurdle on top of the race When he says you go through that hurdle you go through it and shut your mind and your emotional realm down don't empty your mind that's where demons come you don't ever empty your mind that's what the yoga nonsense people say you never empty anything you just quieten it and look to your spirit and say holy ghost what are you saying you said but i don't hear anything when i look to my spirit pray more in tongues Tongues is the gateway to the realm of the spirit. Kenneth Hagin said, if you will pray much in the Holy Ghost, much in the Holy Ghost, much in the Holy Ghost, you will start to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and you will hear your mind will pick up what is happening in your spirit, man. Now, Pastor Leketic, I said earlier, talked about conscience. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's not the Holy Ghost. Every human being, sinner or saint, has a conscience. That is the voice of your spirit. Now, God has imprinted on every human being in the womb a print. It's called the Ten Commandments. Every human being comes out of the womb instantaneously and automatically, innately, knowing right from wrong. Do you understand? Now, if you're raised in a hellish environment where they're teaching you evil from the time you can walk you're going to get a a messed up barometer for right and wrong. But a normal child in a normal environment, even a non-Christian environment has an automatic knowing it's wrong to kill. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to do these things because there's an imprint on every human being's spirit from God about the right and wrong, the basics of the 10 commandments. That's called conscience. Every human being has one. Every human being is a spirit. If you're not saved, your spirit is still alive. It's just not alive to God, but it's still alive. When you die physically, your heart stops, that spirit goes to hell. If you're alive unto God, you have a spiritual relationship with the Father. When you die and your heart stops, your spirit goes to heaven. But your spirit man is alive. Do you understand? Every human being is a spirit and a conscience is imprinted on that spirit. Are you listening? when you get born again, the Holy Ghost comes and lives in your spirit. Now the voice of your own spirit is your conscience. Your spirit will tell you things just because it's in contact constantly with God's word, which you're reading and studying and with the Holy Ghost who lives in you. And you'll know by your own spirit things that are not right. Not am talking about murder. That's pretty basic. But you'll, you'll pick up in your own spirit. I don't think I should do that. I don't think I should talk to that person. I don't think I should go into that business contract. Something in me doesn't feel right. It's the voice. It's the, what the Bible calls the still small voice. When there's a still small voice, it's not the Holy Ghost. It's you. Your own spirit, your own conscience, your own ability to know certain things because you're a spirit being will communicate things to you. Listen to that. Are you listening? Have you ever heard a sinner say, I have a bad feeling about this. I have a gut feeling about this. I have a sense of foreboding. You ever hear unsaved people talk that way? That is their human spirit warning them of danger. Their spirit knows things their mind doesn't. The Holy Ghost is not in them. They can't lean on the Holy Ghost, but just their own dead human spirit dead to God but still alive. That human spirit that's not born again inside a sinner has a sense of things that are that are going to happen in the future. People call it a sixth sense. It's just their human spirit that is aware. Are you listening? Now part of that human spirit that they have is a conscience of right and wrong. Every time they do something and in their in their gut they feel I shouldn't do this and they don't listen. And they violate their own spirit. They violate their conscience and they keep doing that and they keep stealing and cheating and doing this and that over and over and over and over again. Do you know what happens? Paul says that the sinner has seared their conscience or the voice of their own spirit with a hot iron. Now their own spirit won't communicate to them right from wrong that is why people can become serial killers and rapists and do things habitually wrong that is heinous to you and i because they don't even have a compass reference point anymore of right and wrong because their own human spirit is not communicating to them because they have violated it so long do you understand not only should you follow your conscience, which is that inner knowing, that human spirit, but you should listen now for the voice of your that still small, because that still small voice will lead you because your own spirit knows things. We put so much emphasis on the Holy Spirit, but we don't realize that our spirits are quite powerful in and of themselves because they're constantly in touch with the Holy Ghost and they're perfect. There's no sin in your spirit. Your spirit can never do anything wrong. Your soul realm can do things wrong. Your heart, which is also part of your soul, can be evil. But your spirit is perfect. It's got the seed of God in it. Your spirit can never sin. Your spirit is never impure. When 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 you when the blood of Jesus washed your spirit and brought you into covenant with God, that was the one and only time that the that the God touched your human spirit and made it right before God. After that moment, it is sealed by the blood of Jesus. Nothing evil can ever enter your spirit. No sin, no temptation, no violation. Your spirit is sealed. It's like an vault of the blood of Jesus. It's locked. Before it was open Which is why demons in people's soul if they're not careful can get into their spirit and they can be demon-possessed Only sinners because their spirit is open to things in that realm But when you get born again, the blood of Jesus comes and takes your spirit makes it alive unto God and seals it with blood which means you can never be demon possessed because your spirit is sealed and no demon can ever get in there. You can be demon oppressed where you've got demons in your body or in your mind harassing you. There are many born again Christians in insane asylums today because their mind is so tormented, but they're not possessed because they're sealed with blood. Which is why you are led by the spirit more than visions, more than prophecies, more than dreams, more than anything. You are led by your spirit because there's no demons in there. There's no darkness in there. There's no sin in there. There's no failure in there. It's sealed with blood. And the Holy Ghost is in it. But when it's a still little voice, when it's, a, when it's just that, that little voice, that knowing of right and wrong, your conscience, that's your spirit speaking to you. Listen to it. But now when you hear a louder voice, Dad Hagen called it the authoritative voice of the spirit. Where sometimes you feel somebody talking to somebody in the room with me. That's the Holy Ghost himself speaking to your mind. Are you with me? When you don't listen to that, you're in big trouble. But learn to listen to that inner still small voice of your spirit. Don't violate that. Don't, don't, dis, don't disregard that. That is your spirit in contact with the Holy Spirit that knows certain outcomes, that knows certain things and is trying to warn you because your mind doesn't know everything. And OK, now listen, I'll close with this. Let me just say this because I don't want to make people sometimes you'll hear me say, "I have an awareness. And aware that's my term for it. And awareness is the lowest level. I don't know why? I'm just aware of something. I'm aware. That doesn't mean God's talking to me. That doesn't even mean my spirit is necessarily talking to me. I'm just aware there's an awareness of something. And I pay attention to awarenesses. When I wake up one day or I'm walking around and there's just a spiritual awareness, be aware of this, Craig. Somebody's face will come up before me. Be aware of that. Something, I don't know what's happening. It's very vague. There's no specifics usually. I'm just aware. Pay attention because an awareness will lead to the next step. What I call the next step is a sense. When you hear me say, I have a sense, it's less than a bearing of witness. But I just, something just seems that it's going to happen. I just have a sense about this. And I tell people all the time, my sense of something has about an 80% conversion rate into the leading of the spirit. That means 20% I may sense something and it's nothing. And 80% when I sense something, it turns into something from God. That's just because I've developed it for my whole life. And it's taken me time because my percentages weren't that high all the time. But when I get a sense of something, I pay attention. Then I start to pray. And awareness, I don't always pray. But a sense, I start to pray about things. Now listen, as I'm praying things out, that sense will sometimes turn into a bearing of witness. What is a bearing of witness? That's where the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit that something is wrong or something is right. There's a knowing there's an inward knowing you don't know why but you know see a sense. I'm guessing but an inward witness. I know I don't know why I know it, but I know I can't explain it to you all the time I don't have natural reasoning or, or logic or proof or evidence But I know that I know that I know that's called the bearing of witness. That's Romans 8 14 and Romans eight sixteen. we are led by the Spirit of God and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits When that bearing of witness comes, that is the main way I'm led. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? I know it's late and I've got to close, but you need to listen to this. Just for one more minute. You don't go with voices. You can go with the scriptures, but even the scriptures you can misinterpret. You go with the inner witness, the inner knowing. It's a sense of knowing. You can't explain it, but you just know. The more you pray in tongues, the more you'll be sensitive to trust that inner witness. Follow that bearing of witness on the inside. There'll be a knowing on the inside of you what to do Now that's the bearing of witness. That's the number one way Dan we're led after that bearing of witness Then after that there's the little voice but be careful because I don't like when anybody just goes after voices because right. demons can imitate yes. But then there's a still small voice of your own spirit, which is a little bit louder and stronger than the bearing of witness But it has to line up with the bearing of witness. If I sense a little voice in the inside of me, I compare it to my inner witness. Do I feel a knowing? Do I feel a peace? If I don't, I don't listen to that voice. Then stronger than the the little voice, the still small voice of my own spirit, which is like my conscience, stronger than that is the authoritative voice of the spirit when he speaks to me. And I know he's speaking to me. But I still compare his voice to the inner witness. Is what I'm hearing lining up with what I'm sensing and is what I'm sensing lining up with the scripture and if it doesn't line up with the word or it doesn't line up with the inward witness I throw the voice in the garbage because it obviously means that another voice has come to me that I thought was the Holy Spirit's authoritative voice but it's not because there are many voices the Bible says you've got to know the voice of the spirit but what do you always go with you don't go with this your little voice you don't go with the Holy Spirit's voice First, you go with the inner witness and it has to line up with the scripture. If it doesn't line up with the scripture and it violates that knowing on the inside of you, you you ax it. Only once you've mastered, or not mastered, but once you get proficient in these areas, there's an awareness, there's a sense, but then there's a bearing of witness. Then there's a still small voice of my own spirit. Then there's the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. But it's all going to line up with the inner witness inside that knowing the knowing is not a voice. The knowing is a, its it's a knowing. It's a witness, but it's not a voice. And it's got to line up with the word. Everything has to line up with the word and with the knowing. If I can't find a verse for it, I go with the knowing. Does it feel right to me? Is my spirit bear witness? If my spirit is uneasy, I don't care what voice I heard. I don't care what vision I had. I don't care what angel appeared to me. I throw it in the garbage because nothing can ever imitate the inner witness because the spirit of God is inside me and demons are not inside me. But you know that demons can speak voices to your mind? and you think it's a still small voice, but it's even sometimes a demon. Do you know demons can imitate the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit, but demons can't be in your spirit so they can never violate the inner witness. That's why we always go with the inner witness because it's safe. And the word of God is not up for interpretation. It's safe. If the word of God says something, do it. You don't have to pray about it. If it doesn't say something, check to your spirit, man. If it's a bearing of witness, then it's okay. It doesn't matter what voice you heard. Follow that. That will keep you safe. But there is a legitimate little voice in your spirit and there's a legitimate strong voice of the Holy Ghost. And then beyond that, then there's a whole nother bunch of areas. He can talk to you through a prophecy. He can talk like I did with the team. But see, that has to bear witness. If the prophecy doesn't bear witness, put the prophecy on the shelf. Then you could have a vision. You could have a dream. You could have an animal say something to you, which is very rare. But remember, Balaam spoke. The donkeys spoke there are, God could talk to you through nature. God could talk to you through another person by, 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 by just a conversation, but prophecy starts operating. But beware of all of those things. Because if somebody says, you know, I just really feel that you're supposed to leave that job and, and come and work here. And, and oh, by the way, yay. And again, I say yay. Yay, 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 says the Lord. You are to marry that redhead. There's a redhead coming. Now just be careful with all that. We don't allow prophecy that is foretelling about your future because that should come from your, an office that you trust. And we don't allow a prophecy that is corrective. If somebody comes in the bathroom and says, The Lord rebukes you today, you need to say, Shut up. If the Lord wants to rebuke me, He'll rebuke me through my pastor or inside my heart. I don't need you to rebuke me. Well, Lord, yea, again, I say yea, you're going to become a millionaire. If you give me this, God's going to make you a millionaire. You just say, Shut up. If it's about my future, God can talk to me or he can talk through an tr- office that I trust. I don't have to listen to you. So we don't permit that. But a lot of people, they get mixed up with all this weirdness because they're following dreams and they're following feelings and they're following some vision they've seen or some vision their friends saw. Because, oh, I, but perhaps you've got to meet this person. This person's a Holy Ghost man. I trust the vision that they had. You're going to base your life on a vision that they had? Follow the inner witness, not even the voices, the inner witness and the word. My job in your life is to help teach you the inner witness and the word so that you can follow that. Even when I help guide people because they don't know what to do. Remember Hebrews 13, 17, the word obey means to agree with an inward certainty. You have to inwardly know in your spirit that the advice your pastor is giving you is right. But that's why we've got to teach people how to listen. Because when I say things that your flesh doesn't like, then you'll say, well, I don't like that. But that's your flesh not liking it. But if you look to your spirit, your spirit will agree. I don't want to get on the plane on Friday, but I'm going to because I'm looking to my spirit and my spirit agrees, even though my mind is saying you're crazy. Hallelujah. I went all over the map. We visited China today. We went over to Abakan, Siberia. Then we went over to the outback in Australia. Then we had lunch in the Philippines. We stopped over in South Africa on the way home and then had Nufi dinner, Jigs dinner on the way here. And now we're back in Toronto. I I went all over. I didn't plan on all that. Please forgive me if it was a little bit disjointed. But I just felt the Holy Ghost say, you need to tell people what you're going through. You need to, because it'll help your, it'll help you be settled in this race, even though your muscles are hurting, and it will let them know to pray. Hallelujah. And I wanted to give a little bit of teaching in there so that you know voices aren't the main thing. The inner witness is the main thing. If you want the inner witness, pray in tongues more. And Follow the word if it violates the word it's not even the inner witness (laughs) because the inner witness will never violate the scriptures Oh, I don't have a witness about tithing Mm -mm -mm, Lord Jesus. I just think I need two wives. Oh, yes I feel a witness about getting two wives. No, it's not in the scripture. So you can't have two wives. I Can see the men faces of the men all over the building are falling in discouragement Because they were checking their inner witness about another girlfriend father in Jesus name I thank you that we have the word of God the surest form of prophecy and everything that we live must line up with the doctrine of the Scripture we have the inner witness of the Spirit of God there can never be a mimic there can never be a fake the demons can never Counterfeit that inner knowing because they're not there only the Holy Ghost is there so let us follow that inward knowing that we have on the inside Lord, with the voices, the little voice, the authoritative voice, dreams, visions, all these other ways you speak to us, Father, let them all yield to the scriptures and to the inner witness because that is how we are led. Father, I bless this congregation. Lord, I know some of them think it's church as normal, but it's really not. We have moved into another realm. We have moved into another office. That There is a global branch to this ministry that was not there in 2019. And Father, there is much, there's an effectual door opened unto me. And there, yes, are many adversaries, but Father, the adversaries will fall to the name of Jesus and the effectual door will be walked through and promise of life will fulfill its mission. We will fulfill our calling. We will stand before you having done the job and assignment you gave us. Every member of this church doing their part, serving their part, praying their part, evangelizing their part, attending their part, giving their part. Lord, we will all do our part. And this vision will go forward and we will succeed. I thank you, Lord, that they don't take what I said today as any kind of a whine or a complaint. But, Father, they would interpret it the way I meant it. That they would simply just say, Father, we're in a new season. You're in a new phase of ministry. I pray for my pastor. I pray for his wife. I pray for their children. I pray for the staff. Father, I pray for the leadership of this church. I pray that we would be skillful as we move into this new phase. And that, Lord, the domestic and the global will surely come to pass. And all the money we need for both will be there. And we'll do it skillfully. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we give you praise now father before I close I lift up pastor Matthew He's getting on the plane uh, later tonight or tomorrow early tomorrow morning father and he's flying over there father You see what the death threats have been against him lord I know this is the devil trying to stir up men and women to try to abort the plan of God before it even stops starts But father as a church we lay hold in the name of Jesus And we pray for him and we'll be praying for him this week not out of desperate not out of not out of fear or desperation desperation but out of faith and dominion because we have authority in that realm and I thank you that he gets on that plane and from the moment his feet touch that tarmac until the moment he's back on the U.S. soil he is divinely safe and protected the angels of God encamp about him and deliver him anything he eats or drinks shall not harm him or touch him in a negative way in Jesus name you said we would drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt us so I thank you that he goes in the great commission. He goes in the power of the blood. He goes with the mighty angels. He goes with the dominion of the name of Jesus. And he will have a successful three weeks. And he will accomplish the plan of God. And he will lay the groundwork for our church in Liberia. And it will all come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for it. I thank you for the service this morning. I thank you for their kind attention, even though I went long And I thank you, Father, that we are a church that is led by the inner witness and by the word of God primarily. And we give you praise that we are safe in our lives because we have safe teaching. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen.